Welcome to the You Thought Sportscast. This episode, we will be talking about the NBA playoff race, suit shorts, marriage proposals, and Mario Kart? Trust me, I will work it in. I'm joined by the usual crew, starting with Lucas Mason Moyer. Hello, everybody. I'm joining you tonight while mourning Hannah Ann of The Bachelor's Great Loss and Bernie Sanders of the United States of America's Great Loss. Great <laughs> Wait, to be here with you tonight. You just spoiled oh. The Bachelor, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Wednesday. It'll be Wednesday though, so it's fine. I know, but he just <laughs> I had it recorded. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you for the spoiler, Lucas. Uh I'm just gonna move on to Aiden Lewis. How are you doing? Worse now that <laughs> I have less to look forward to tonight in terms of what TV to watch. Now that something in particular has been spoiled by Lucas. But uh but yeah, Aiden, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Next up we got Bart Janchuk. Uh, hey everyone, while Lucas is mourning those two things, I am mourning DJ Wilson. Uh, Jamal Murray killed him and sent him to the afterlife last night, if anybody saw that. Uh, and then last we have Wyatt Ludecker. Uh, just to piggyback off of Bart, that was such a bogus offensive foul call. <laughs> that would have yes. been. That was one of the cleanest posters I've seen in a while. <laughs> well, uh, Wyatt and Bart used that angry energy, and as I lead into this first topic... We got the Brooklyn Nets uh, and coach Kenny Atkinson mutually agreed to part ways over the weekend. There's rumors that Atkinson did not want to coach Irving and Durant and that Atkinson had lost some of the locker room. So Bart, I'm going to start with you. In light of these reports, if you're if you're looking for a, a new job, how desirable is the Brooklyn head coaching job right now? You know, so I understand why some might say that it's not, but in my opinion, it is certainly still one of the most uh attractive in the entire NBA because at the end of the day it, I think it comes down to the fact that the NBA is such a superstar driven league uh, and the Nets have two of the best superstars in the whole league uh, and, and like even aside from that I mean like they've got a pretty solid supporting cast like uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen still giving you double doubles like every night I think they're a really good team actually once both Durant and Irving are healthy. I do understand that you're going to need a coach who's able to actually manage personalities and that won't be a great fit for everybody, but I still think it's very attractive overall. Yeah, I'm with Bart on this one. Um, I feel like I can see the case for not being an appealing job, um, all the different personalities conflicting, but I don't know. You can win big with Kyrie, especially when he's playing like supporting cast to another mm-hmm. superstar like he did with LeBron in Cleveland. And I think this could be a similar scenario. And while Kyrie may not be at like the peak peak of his powers, he still had like a really good year. He's averaging 27.4 points, 6.4 assists, 5.2 rebounds. It's a pretty solid line, especially when you pair that with Durant, who's a better player than he is and who he can sort of play off of. I think if you can properly manage the personalities, like Bart was saying, that team could really go far, especially with as good of a supporting cast as they have. Yeah. The one thing I'm unsure of is once Durant actually comes back, how well Kyrie and Durant will play together. Especially given that like mm-hmm. Kyrie I feel like is pretty wishy washy. Like he was, you know, he was on the Cavs. He was he didn't want to be supporting. Then he went to being the star and, you know, wasn't good enough. Like I feel like once he's back to supporting cast, I don't know if he's gonna be particularly happy with that, especially if Durant becomes the focal point of that offense, as he probably should be. Um, mm-hmm. With that said, I agree that the just the sheer talent makes it something. It's a hard offer to pass up, even if you have to deal with Kyrie and Durant. 
Yeah, like I, I kind of think it's as desirable as like coaching LeBron and that you know it's not going to be your team if you're the head coach. It's going to be yeah. LeBron's team or it's going to be Durant and Kyrie's team. Um, with that being said, um, yeah, yeah, I think like what you guys said, Kyrie has shown he's not he's not really the guy that's be able to lead a team, but he can be a great pairing with somebody. <clears throat> like they're on pace. Like even in the games that Kyrie's played in, they're eight and twelve. So he wasn't even he wasn't doing a great job leading. Um, how do you guys think Kyrie will be remembered as a player? As a he's he's going to be up there as a player. He will go down as a probably the best handles in NBA history, and I think that's something that should be noted. Um, I think he probably will be remembered as maybe a locker room cancer if he doesn't correct it in the next couple of years. Um, I read a thing that said that he will, assuming they get a new coach and they don't keep this interim head coach that he'll have eight head coaches in 10 years in the NBA, which is a pretty big number and context. It's not all his fault. Uh, Cause there was like the David Blatt, who was supposed to hire coach a young team between him and Andrew Wiggins. And then LeBron came and they ended up booting David Blatt. <clears throat> there was, um, I forget the name of his first coach. He was, who wasn't performing well, but if he doesn't correct the later part of his career and may be able to maybe keep a coach for three or four years, he might go down as some sort of cancer in a locker room and in the NBA. I, I wrote in my notes, I think a good comparison for him might be like a slightly worse Pippin. Because he's very good at playing that supporting number two role, especially if he can sort of prove himself with the Nets. But I don't think he'll ever be remembered as like a go-to superstar who can lead a team, but a guy who can like add is clearly a very excellent player, can add to a championship team, but is never going to be in that complete upper echelon of stars. Okay, then Lucas, I want to follow up with you real quick. Do you would you say that obviously it's early, but would you say that Kyrie would be a Hall of Famer then? I'm. I'll go slight no at this point. I think he has a little bit more to prove. Like, he hasn't done anything by himself enough, I think, to earn a spot in the Hall of Fame. Like, the, the championship was impressive. He sunk that final shot. But, I mean, that was LeBron's title. Uh, I think he would have to do it again, replicate it on another team. Even if he wasn't the number one guy, replicating championships on two different teams, I think it's impressive enough to get yeah. in there. Yeah. I disagree. I think He's- he is a Hall of Famer. And I think that championship really? is a big, yeah, I, I do. I think that championship is a really big piece in his Hall of Fame resume, cause especially because he hit the big shot in the game. Uh, he's, I mean, numbers-wise alone, he could probably just get into the Hall of Fame. But, I mean, otherwise, just having that moment in the finals, I think that does kind of push him over. And it's a moment that people will remember and do remember the same way that, they remember like Ray Allen's big shot. I know Ray Allen has a better career or more notable career than Kyrie Irving does, but people remember those big moments and those will stick with them. And he wasn't like some sort of scrub who got carried through the finals. He also put on a show alongside LeBron James in Cleveland. Yeah, I see that. But like, he's, he's never led the league in any major offensive stat in a season. And like his, you know, like his, his highest points per game average in a season is 25.2, which obviously isn't terrible, but I don't know if that's hall of fame level. It's not like there's 10 guys in the Hall of Fame, though. Like, a lot of people get into the Hall of Fame. and Right, but, but like, would you consider, like, they have to be a generational talent, though. I don't know if Kyrie is. I think he is. Best handles in NBA history. I think that's worth something. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle know. Drew, yeah. Uncle Drew. 
Last question before we wrap up. Um, what do you guys expect from the Nets when Durant and Irving are back? So next year, what do you expect the Nets to do in terms of how well they'll play? Yeah, I mean, they'll definitely be a playoff team, but I feel like it could be a, a dumpster fire. I'm, I'm like, I'm a dumpster <laughs> fire that's still a playoff team just because of how talented <laughs> their team is. Like, I feel like there's just, there's a lot of big personalities that will cause dysfunction. And as, you know, was alluded to earlier, the fact that Kyrie's had eight coaches and, or what is it? Yeah, eight coaches in 10 years. Like, I feel like that's going to, like, it's not totally independent of Kyrie there. Once you add Durant and DeAndre Jordan and just a, a bunch of guys who need their touches and, you know, have big egos, I feel like they could self-destruct. And that's, I feel like they'll end up being like a, a four or five seed in the East and they'll lose to teams that have less star power, like the Raptors, you know, or even the Bucks, um, who are just better, who work better as a team. I'm more optimistic. I think that they're probably going to be like a comfortable top three seed just because Durant, when he's healthy, is like just un, like unstoppable almost. And Kyrie is going to be a great psych. I, I think because they wanted to play together, right? I mean, that was... I think like between the two of them, at least, there won't be too much tension, I wouldn't think. And so I think they'll find a way to get into a groove and, and be like really solid teammates. And then everybody else will just have to tag along. <laughs> Do you not think injuries will play a part in that? Or at least they're both coming off of season-ending injuries. Durant never played, of course. But you see Kawhi and Paul George do the load management thing. LeBron, I mean, it's not as rampant in the Lakers organization, but do you think that on the nights where maybe it's just Kyrie or neither of them, that they might struggle, especially because they might, they might be considering blowing up this roster and trading away guys like Spencer Didwitty and Levert. You don't think that plays a part? I mean, I don't know. I guess the Clippers supporting cast is probably a little bit stronger than the Nets is, but not that much. So, and the Clippers seem to be doing fine. I don't know. I think as a, as a pairing, Kawhi and Paul George are, I would say, similar in talent to Durant and Kyrie. Like if Maybe Kyrie better, and Durant play like 65, 70 games, I can definitely see them being, you know, a comfortable top th- a top three seed. But if they both play like 50 games, 55, 60 games each, then I, I mean, they might slip down to four. Because I mean, don't forget that there's Boston... There's Raptors, there's the Bucks, and there's the 76ers who should get better next year. And then the Pacers are no joke when it comes to a team that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Kyrie playing on his own worries me, I guess. But Durant, if he had to play without Kyrie, I still would probably favor them in like 90% of their matchups. Yeah. Also, on the supporting cast point, I feel like what were the Clippers last year in terms of seed? They were like a. They were the eighth seed. They were the eighth seed. They were the because they gave the Warriors a run for their money in the first round. Oh, yeah. Okay, what were the Nets? Did they just make it? I think they also made the playoffs. But it was, it they was played the close. Sixers in the first round, so they were the sixth seed, I think. Okay. Were, it was a 3-6 matchup. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, the Nets are playing worse than this year, right? So it's it's interesting, even if Kyrie hasn't been yeah. playing at all. It just, yeah, I feel like there, there aren't a lot of, like, the Celtics, like, played better that, that year when Rozier was in the playoffs and Kyrie wasn't healthy. Like, I'm just still not convinced that Kyrie is like a helpful player to a team, even if he's putting up points. So speaking of the NBA, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about who kind of had a big weekend and what that could mean 
for the playoffs, which are coming up in about a, a month and a half or so, I guess, or a month or so. Um, so the Lakers over the weekend beat the Bucks on Friday and then the Clippers on Sunday, who are arguably the, those are the three teams I think right now that people talk about most when they're talking about title contenders. So that was a big weekend. Uh, Wyatt, do you think the Lakers are front runners to win the NBA finals slash if they're not, who stands in their way? Of course, the Lakers are the front runners and I'm not going to, I don't want to be like a prisoner of the moment, but I I definitely felt really good about their two wins. I watched both the games. Um, they felt more than just regular season games because not only did they come back to back, but the, they were the two other best teams in the league besides the Lakers themselves. Of course, the Bucks hold the best record. I feel like everyone on the Lakers are understanding their roles a lot better and they're embracing their roles. Definitely, especially guys like Kyle Kuzma, who was kind of promised this like third star role and you, we need you to score. And everyone's like, well, if Kuzma gives you 20 points, then you're definitely going to win. And he hasn't really kind of turned out to be that. But he's definitely still engaged. He's still getting their boards. He's still playing defense. And LeBron James has been playing defense. He went in, He took the challenge of guarding Giannis and Kawhi. I, I don't think you can call anyone else a favorite. And not that these other teams aren't talented. And that they don't have a chance. Because I think Milwaukee on a really good night definitely do still have a chance. But I think you might see like the limitations of Milwaukee's roster. And kind of their lack of a second star. Although Middleton is very good. They do lack the second star that like the Lakers have in Anthony Davis. So I, I mean, I don't see anyone else standing in their way, to be honest. These felt like really good wins for me. Yeah, I agree. I was very impressed. Um, I don't know that I'm willing to go so far as to say that they're clear. They would like you know clearly win in either playoff series if it came to that. Just based off of this, I mean, the Clippers are still uh, winning the season series over the Lakers right now. Um, but yeah, I I I think this this bodes well for the Lakers. It seems like they're trending upwards. I think LeBron and the rest of the team are finding their groove, uh, and I would definitely be picking them. In a series over the Clippers or the Bucks, but I, I could see either one going either way in the playoffs if we get there. Yeah, and I think just to sort of like spend a little bit upon something wide hinted at too, like their role players are really just like finding their role perfectly in the system. Guys like Avery Bradley and even like Dwight Howard, who's just like providing good minutes and energy off the bench, like doing exactly what they need to to like complement Davis and LeBron and just sort of make the team tick and like LeBron who after last year I thought was just sort of like on the downhill this was gonna be a nice retirement is playing like peak LeBron again which is like really cool to see this might be the best basketball we've seen LeBron play to be honest he definitely seems more efficient but it's crazy because we say that every season <laughs> I know but in, in <laughs> year 17 leading the league in assists right yeah, he's he, leading the league in assists he transitioned yeah. full-time to point guard which is a big part of that but I mean he's like driving to the lane he's more in the post game and then of course I, like I said earlier on defense I, I I feel like he's 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 doing really well with this Lakers cast yeah I mean I still don't think he deserves MVP over Giannis this is a tangent but it's definitely becoming a very good argument, and it will continue to be one, especially as Giannis sits out and the Bucks keep losing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the Bucks, who do you guys think is the biggest challenger to the Bucks in the East? Miami. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. I actually think it's the Raptors. I'm going to agree with Bart. I think it's the Raptors. They're 2-0 against Toronto, but have not beat the Heat this year. 0-2 against the Heat. If that helps. That, <laughs> I don't know. The Heat have kind of been slipping lately. Jimmy Butler destroys teams eventually. Yeah. Like, I don't know how soon it'll happen, but like, I... I think that there's such like a good core and Siakam playing so well for the Raptors that like in a seven game series I think I'd give them a slightly better shot against the Bucks. That being said though, like I think the Bucks are far and away the favorite in the East. Like I don't think there's another team that's like sort of equal or even kind of close to them. I will concede that I think Eric Spoelstra is a better coach than uh, Nick Nurse. So in the playoffs that is really important. So I guess that does give them the edge there in my opinion. Don't sleep yes, on Miami. Spolstra, Spolstra might have like the longest tenure of a LeBron coach <laughs> to be <laughs> if you looked at it, I don't know. <laughs> I think almost, yeah. Almost so, certainly. That's probably yeah, that's yeah. definitely true. Um all right, so now let let's completely shift gears over to the <laughs> NFL. Uh, and look ahead to the NFL draft. Specifically, let's take a peek at the Redskins and the number two overall pick. Obviously, what the Bengals will do with number one is is no great mystery at this point. Um, but the Redskins have a, a lot more choices and a lot more things that they could presumably do that would make sense. Uh, Lucas, what do you think that they might do with that number two pick? Yeah, so coming into looking at this initially, I'm like, they should draft Chase Young. He's an elite pass rusher. He's a generational type talent. But looking then at the stats in their areas of need, it's not really where they need help. Um, they were 10th in sacks years, last year, so they have a solid enough defensive front. But the real area of struggle was offense, where they were last in the NFL in points per game at 16.6. And we've talked about this a lot before on the show, but it's a quarterback league. And I don't know, Haskins didn't have a full year yet, but I don't think he really showed enough. 58.6 completion percentage, <laughs> 7 TDs and 7 picks in 9 games is not great. So if they want to win, if they want to improve the offense, they're of greatest need, I think they should draft Tua. Like, I know he's a risk, but I think he's a risk with a huge upside <clears throat> compared to having Haskins, who I still think could develop into, like, a solid mid-level quarterback in the NFL, but nothing that will ever really elevate them to great heights or consistent winning, especially when they had the worst scoring offense in the NFL last year. Yeah, I don't... This... I think you can live without him, without Tua. Um, like, Haskins in the last two games didn't throw picks. He was 4-0 four to, four to zero touchdown interception. He has the pedigree that I like and that he won. He played for a winning program, and he did well. He did really well in college, actually, when you really look at the stats. But one thing I will say is that the fact that you already have a QB may mean that there's less risk of drafting Tua at two, and then maybe you should do it. Because then you have Dwayne Haskins if Tua doesn't work out. I don't know. Yeah, and we've seen teams move on really quickly yeah. um, from first-round quarterbacks. I think that there's not that sort of stigma behind, like, or not stigma maybe, but the idea that you need to stick behind a guy. Um, like the Cardinals who drafted Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray in back-to-back years. I could see that being like a similar yeah. type situation here. I don't know. The problem with the whole Dwayne Haskins thing is that he didn't play a full season and his head coach was fired halfway through the season. So I don't think it's fair to say that he's not going to work out because I don't think we actually know what he is. Um, it's risky whether you keep Dwayne Haskins or you draft Tua. Either way, it's going to be a risk. I think even the safest bet, let's say you keep Haskins, you might as well just take Chase Young 
because he's probably going to work out. And at the very least, you have a generational type defensive end and you can just try again for quarterback the next year. But I almost want to say if they if they were to not go the tour route, I I would be tempted to trade back personally instead of taking Chase Young. I just what, feel like at, the, at that at that spot for a team that does want Tua, you could get such a haul. Mm. Like I, I I'm not convinced personally that a generational defensive end helps your team as much as that boatload of picks would. Hmm. Nick Bosa, yeah. but do you see Tua as like a sure thing? I think like, given the injuries and everything, I'm not sure if he's a sure thing. And Chase Young, like, it will without a doubt be dominant. I feel like he's like there's no question mark. So, I mean, I think a team might even trade up for Chase Young, to be honest. So, I'm definitely with yeah. you that the, the two spot is... Because I feel like Chase Young, before Joe Burrow's huge year, was kind of, like, pretty much everyone thought he'd be the one, right? Right. So, right. Yeah. I think, like, the two pick is extremely valuable for either case there. So, it'll be interesting. Because if they don't need... If their troubles aren't, you know, up front defensively, and they're not willing to give up on Haskins already, it might make sense to, to you know, get a haul for it. Yeah. Now, I think the team should avoid trying to be cute because once you try to be cute and you're like, I'm going to trade back and I'll get all these draft picks and then he'll still fall to me and blah, 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 or I'll still be able to get this guy, then you end up missing the guys that you want. And then maybe they're stuck with Dwayne Haskins, who they may or may not really like, and they don't have Chase Young. And now they're just kind of getting other players. And it's not like this draft isn't talented because they do have a lot of guys, but I would say like definitely at the defensive end position um, and... I mean, pretty much most of the talent is anywhere from offensive tackle to the wide receiver area. And you might miss out on a guy in defense because depending on how far back you trade up or trade back, um, you're, you're not going to get those guys. Who knows if Chase Young, Chase Young won't get past number four with the New York Giants. He probably won't get past number three with the Detroit Lions. Isaiah Simmons may not get past number four or number three. Jeff Okuda. I mean, all these guys, like you're, there's a chance you just don't get them, and then what? Yeah, That's I think fair. the yeah, I think the Redskins definitely do need to draft a QB at some point this year, just to even have like someone to challenge Haskins in camp, hmm. like even like a second or third round pick, or possibly even trade up for like a if one of the QBs falls, like if Herbert falls, if someone like that falls, I think it would be interesting to see if I don't know the Redskins were willing yeah. to do it. Jalen Hurts even. <laughs> yeah, he's a proven that. winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait, but they don't need a running back. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wide receiver. No, I'm just <laughs> it is unclear what their offense is going to be though, because Darius guys keep getting hurt, and uh, of course, Dwayne Haskins hasn't had a full year. I I believe that he can actually be. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a top ten quarterback in the league. I don't think he's this mid-tier guy. I think that if you develop him, within his third year, he'll be a top-ten quarterback behind Daniel Jones. Bold guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we could, we could have a whole episode just dissecting that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wyatt, you want to help us into the next section? Of course. My favorite part of the podcast are little short stories. I'm going to start us off with a short story because we actually have a trade alert trade alert so apparently espn is looking to acquire al michaels from nbc to pair with peyton manning for their monday night football booth uh, since then actually nbc has declined the trade it's unclear on what the details of the trade were i think nbc might be looking for some more 
draft picks ESPN was not willing to part ways with. Uh, which is which? Honestly, this made me think: um, how many contracts are actually tradable, and who who else could be on the trade block for these major networks? You know, could we be looking at Tony Romo on the trade block in three years? Did they front load his contract? How much money is that, is that guaranteed? What Steven if they franchise tag him? What if they franchise tag him? Skip Bayless. I think it's funny that they at least said it's a trade. I uh, I also do think also that they should stop trying to get Al Michaels and they should pair Peyton Manning with his brother, Eli Manning, and just run with that. <laughs> this is all a ploy to get um, in the rotation for the Super Bowl as well, by the way, in case you're wondering why they would go so hard. So also just real quick, <laughs> currently their booth is Joe Tessitore, Jason Witten, and Booger McFarlane. So they're three men. That's their current. So and they and then the article it says they're clearly looking for an upgrade. Um, I also saw this is a full deal. Um, they're looking to get Ian Eagle, who's at CBS at the moment, and yeah. Kevin Burkhart, who's at Fox yeah. at the moment. So they could also be at the trade block. Hey. Right? Or they could go or, with a yeah. Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, Brian Greasy, I think is his last yeah. name. Or yeah. Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet are guys who are also noted to maybe be in the booth. So mm. we should take our picks. <laughs> I'm taking Kevin Burkhart. Started as a Mets sideline reporter. He's really shot up the ranks. I'm I'm so Ooh. proud of him. Yeah, it's it's you know. I'll pick Lewis Riddick. Somehow my dad knows him some vague way. <laughs> so shout out to a familiar name. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Kirk Herbstreet. On my pick. Oh, wow. I was going to say the same, but for the sake of diversity, I have nothing against Chris Fowler. He's a cool guy. He's, he's got some good analysis. I'll go with him. It'll be the the Steve Levy. It'll be him. Okay. How many draft picks Levy. would you give up to get Steve Levy? <laughs> None. <laughs> <laughs> In 2027, yeah. yeah. Fourth round. No. Yeah. Final thought. Final thought. Poor Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane, who are like just reading articles about them trying to get replaced on ESPN. Join the podcast, Booger. You're more than welcome to come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, I'm going to keep it in the realm of the NFL. Um, Delightful news today was announced that 2K, the great people who make 2K basketball video games, have acquired the license to begin making 2K football games as well. Now, the tragedy of it is that for now, it's only non-simulation type games, which means that the type of game that you would want from Madden is still exclusive to Madden. But I still think it's a great victory for the people because it's their, their foot is in the door now. And it sounds like in the you know next year or two, they should be acquiring the license to compete with Madden and actually try to make a good football game for once in like the first time in 20 years. That's an exaggeration. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's a, uh, I think good news for, for fans of the NFL who also like to game here and there. What is a non-simulation <laughs> yeah. game? Would it be like NFL, would it be like NFL head coach or is even that yeah. just like sort of? That was of... a fun game. I, I, that was. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't know. I tried looking into it. I'm not sure. It might be something as simple as like, like a, um, of betting. Like you 
pick them kind of thing, like something where you just kind of like oh. make make choices about things. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm a little worried just because. Yeah, remember when like NBA Live is NBA Live still going? But when they like <laughs> they stopped for a little while and then came back, correct? And yep. they kind of struggle. Like at one point, I feel like 2K and NBA Live were like kind of you know somewhat equal. And when it came back, it was it was far behind and a lot of catching up to do. So we'll see with, with NFL 2K when it eventually gets the rights, what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but like even just the fact that they exist now should hopefully prompt the EA people to to actually try on the next Madden. <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> True, competition is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I know a lot of gamers hate EA too. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, we're gonna go we're gonna go move into cash or trash real quick. Um. I'm going to start it off with Bart. LeBron said he wouldn't play in a game if the NBA had a game without fans in attendance. So cash or trash, players should not play in games where fans can't attend. Listen, I love LeBron. In my opinion, he's the GOAT. But this is the easiest trash of my life. I thought this, <laughs> I, I just, I thought this was so silly when he said this. Because like, you don't play so that you can personally experience all the fans adoring you and just ooing and aahing at you as you stand there on the court. You, you, you play because your contract says you have to play, right? Obviously, you play for the fans in the sense <laughs> that like the fans are the people who care about the NBA and they, they would give it revenue, but the fans don't need to be there in person. Come on now. I thought that was kind of silly. <laughs> I'm doubling it up. Double trash. It's a trash day. <laughs> I, I don't think that... Any player is going to set out. In fact, actually, LeBron James did backtrack from a stance on not playing with the fans. He was pretty much, just to kind of paraphrase, he was like, I get it. It makes sense. If it's safe for everybody, then I guess it's the right move. Um, so I think that there's no way anybody sits. LeBron James should play. Everyone should play. And I actually, I don't want the coronavirus to get out of hand, but I actually do want to see a game where there's nobody in the stands. Do you remember um, a couple years ago when Baltimore was having those riots and the Orioles played a game when there was yes, no, nobody yeah. in the stands? Oh, I thought that was yeah. I thought that was kind of funny, and I want to see the same thing, especially in like a smaller space where you could just hear like shoes squeaking. Yeah, yeah it's happening. It's happening all over Italian soccer too, yeah. which is wild. Like, Atlanta, I mean, didn't didn't the whole league get suspended? Yeah, but they're they're still in the Champions League games. Like Atlanta played a Champions League game today against Valencia in Italy, and it was like this great four three game, like dramatic, and then there was not a single person in the stands. So, <laughs> I want to see it. That's fair. Just not in okay. person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> Tragically. Okay, moving on. Uh, our next caster trash is: Will the Houston Astros win the AL West? Jared, what are your thoughts? Trash. I'm banging on the same trash cans that the Astros used to steal the signs. Uh, I want to. I want to see. That, I want to. I want to see Joe Madden and Mike Trout lead the Angels to a division title for once. Um, even if the Angels don't do it, I, I could see the A's doing it. Um, and, but with that being said, uh, yes, the Astros did gain an unfair advantage by cheating, obviously. But their players are still pretty good. Like they're not gonna. The Astros aren't gonna suck this year. But I think other teams will pass them. One of the other teams, either the um, A's or the Angels. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cash it. I'm going to disagree. Hey. I think yeah, even without the cheating, the Astros are still just such an elite team. I think they're still a top three team in the MLB. Their like away record during like the last couple of years was still fantastic when they couldn't mm. cheat as terrible as they are. So I think 
maybe if they get hit by too many pitches or too many hard <laughs> slides, then maybe that's the way to take out the Astros. Otherwise, I don't know. It's it's a fairly like the A's are definitely competitive. I'm always rooting for the A's, but besides that, you know, like the the Angels had a good off season, but I, I think they're farther away from being yeah. competitive than just one superstar player because in baseball that's that's a lot of times not enough or yep. well two now but <laughs> just <laughs> two superstar players in rendon and trout <laughs> uh i'm this one's going to lucas and wyatt mac brown and unc currently have the fourth ranked recruiting class they have a couple four-star recruits they almost beat clemson last year so lucas i start with you cash or trash north carolina will beat clemson for the acc championship within three years Complete and utter trash. <laughs> there is absolutely no way. Debo Sweeney's built like a program to last there. He's shown he can recruit. He loses uh oh my god. What what was their quarterback's name? Deshaun Watson. Watson. Deshaun Watson, yes. They they lose Deshaun Watson. He brings in Trevor Lawrence. Even if they regress a little bit after that, he's fine. You can't build a, a program to compete with that in three years. Dabo didn't even win a conference title until his fourth year, and that's yeah. That'll be Max fourth back. year. <laughs> hey now, hey yeah, now. But he, UCF built a, a program that was number one in the country that quickly with uh, what's his face. Do not use my love of UCF against. They won a national. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, I don't know. And in Clemson's first year under Dabo Sweeney, he was nine and five. So it took him four years to go from nine and five to a conference championship. Mac Brown started seven and six with the program with much less pull and recruiting. I don't think the jump could be made, especially with as good as Clemson is. Okay. It's garbage day. I'm doubling up on the trash again. <laughs> There's no way within a three-year window, which is such a small window, by the way, for any team, I think, in the ACC to beat Clemson. Like, I don't care about recruiting classes. I don't care about <laughs> any of that. As long, I mean, especially next year with Trevor Lawrence on the roster. And then, of course, Dabo Sweeney going forward how could you vote against clemson i mean they're they're way better than north carolina no one's gonna pick north carolina over clemson i hope so i hope i'm wrong to be honest and yeah, I hope north, north carolina is in the opposite side they're in the but, opposite side of the acc so they can get lucky <laughs> yeah maybe i don't think it happens i never see it happening all right yeah maybe if daniel oh wait no never mind <laughs> <laughs> They're no UCF, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right, so this one, we're going to move on. This one's going to you, Aiden, and Lucas. I'm going to start with you, Aiden. Uh, Pat, cash or trash? Patrick Beverly will contain LeBron James next Clippers-Lakers game. Uh, I don't need to say anything. I just need to, to look at the stat line. we got Patrick Beverly, <laughs> two points, four rebounds, one assist. <laughs> and LeBron, 28 points, seven rebounds, nine assists. 28 points is not containing. 28 points and nine assists <laughs> is not containing someone. And again, Beverly wasn't on him all night, but he, Beverly's a great defender, but him and Lou Will just could not deal with LeBron, couldn't deal with point guard LeBron. It just didn't happen. Patrick Beverly's still holding on to that block he had of LeBron on Christmas Day uh, during a, a tying three-point attempt. He's going to keep holding on to that. But in terms of actually moving forward, no, he's not containing him. <laughs> No, I'm with Hayden on this one. Does like Pat Bev know who he's talking about? Like <laughs> LeBron is Le- LeBron is LeBron. Like this is a ridiculous comment. It's dumb, like grandstanding to like be like, oh, I'm so big. Like, like he he's a good player, Beverly, but he's not going to contain LeBron. He it's said it's ridiculous. easy. 
He said it's easy. <laughs> he said not hard well, at clearly, all. No challenge. Can't be that. <laughs> He's trying to speak it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Western Conference Finals, maybe, but for now, I'm trashing it. All right, we're gonna stay in the NBA with our next cash and trash. So Wyatt, cash or trash? James Harden is the most disliked superstar in the NBA. I'm going with three trashes today and one more trash what? to close it out. Yeah, I <laughs> I think even as great as LeBron James is, he's still the most hated player in the NBA. And I'm trying to rack my head around maybe who else might be one of the most hated players in the NBA. I think Draymond Green might be one of the most hated players in the NBA. Yeah, He's up yeah. there. Uh, whether he's a superstar or not, I guess we can argue that. But uh, James Harden still has like a lot of respect from, I would say, current NBA players and I would say a lot of writers and announcers like the way that he plays his game. He's at least fun to watch. So I'm not going to, I would say LeBron is probably still more, more hated overall. I'm going to disagree. Actually, I, if this question had been posed to me hypothetically, like two or three years ago, when, uh, when the snake memes were at their peak with Kevin Durant, I think it would have <laughs> easily been Kevin Durant. But yeah. right now I just think, yeah, James Harden is, is so frustrating to watch sometimes, and I think more and more people are beginning to pick up on that. Uh, he, he's he's a great player, but yeah, he he gets hit from like every corner of, of the world. I think in a lot of ways, um, just, like basically everywhere that's not Houston, and even a lot of people in Houston, I think, don't like him. So I'm gonna cash that. Um, next up, Lucas, what do you think? Cash or trash? Russell Westbrook pulled off the suit shorts outfit on Saturday. Cash. What? The dude looks. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. <laughs> Listen, not many people could do it. Russ looks fly in whatever he wears. Great sense of fashion. I'm cashing it. Wow, I'm throwing that outfit in the trash. That was not his worst fashion outing, but nobody wears that. Come on, like in the white socks with it too. Like your your socks have to match the shorts. Like I I don't like that at all. It's tacky. Listen, you wear something with confidence. It looks good, and he was out there just. <laughs> confidence yeah. exuding from him i'll take it he did look confident i will say that okay closing it out um west virginia basketball player charles harler proposed to his girlfriend who they've been together since eighth grade before the game on saturday then they went on to beat number four baylor so aiden and bart i'm i'm throwing this to you i'm starting with aiden proposing before a sporting event in which you're playing is a good move I'm generally pretty risk averse, so I'm very tempted to say trash, but it was such a baller move. I, I got to go with the cash here. In this case, like, you know, they were the underdog, but it was, you know, everyone knew it was going to be a close game. And also, like, they'd been together since eighth grade. So if they lost and he'd done the, you know, the proposal and everything, like, his girlfriend would have forgave him. You know, that seems like a tight one. So it was, it was a risk reward kind of thing. And that's going to be, that's one to remember for sure. Yep, I agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna cash this. I think even if if the person doesn't want to say yes, <laughs> under that pressure, they'll have to say yes in in public at least, and then they can what? renege later. Um, and then I don't know. Like suppose that they did say no, then you can fuel that. You can funnel that energy as fuel for the game. And I just I yeah I think there's there's not really any downside. Uh, and, and like Aiden said, it's baller. It's it was very very cool. So I, I, I cash. Real quick, <laughs> there's a I don't know there's a Bleacher Report article. I'm looking at it right now, of the top ten sports proposals. And these are like players and people who have proposed before uh, the game, it looks like. 
So yeah, there's a, definitely a long of history of this, and it looks like it's working out for him, from what I've read so far. <laughs> so I'm saying, nobody has to say no in the moment. Uh, yeah, but I'm a bigger fan. I, I'm gonna, I'm cashing in this case, but I, I'm a bigger fan of the post game. You know, if if you're really trying to, you know, hedge yeah. your bets and everything, like post game, the you know, yeah, fans yeah. are storming the court or something like that. Like that's that's a great moment. So you know, yeah. but but respect on this one. It worked out. It just depends <laughs> on what team you play for post game, because you may never get a chance to actually propose if you keep losing. <laughs> you're not gonna propose on a loss, like. <laughs> Yeah. Like, there's probably players out there who are, like, sitting on this proposal, but they've been waiting yeah, for every game two weeks because they keep losing, and they're like, well, I'm not going to do it now. Yeah. But if you do it earlier, there's less chance you'll spoil it for someone right. else. So. At least the other team will let you win. Yeah. All right. Anyway, for the grand finale, I am very excited for a new sports season to start up. We love making predictions here at Youthot. At least I do. And we've also talked off-air about dedicating a small amount of time to some lesser-known sports um, among Americans. So in honor of that, I'm going to be following the Formula One season, which kicks off this weekend. For you listeners that don't know, in college we were very capable Mario Kart players. At at least some of us were. Uh, So it's no wonder that I'd be interested in racing once I was finally exposed to it. Just watched an awesome Netflix document, um, mini-series or TV series about it. To give you guys a little context, in Formula One, teams tend to go on a tear for years in a row, or a team dominates a decade. So right now, for example, Mercedes-Benz is like Aiden playing as Donkey Kong in Mario Kart, as they have won the last six years by a wide margin, too, in the last two years. Just dominant. And they're they're expected to win again. Ferrari is consistently second and Red Bull third. (laughs) There are 10 teams with two drivers each for a total of 20 drivers. So we're going to be making two predictions, everyone. First, will Mercedes or the field win the team championship? And then second, uh, we're in, for, in Formula One, they're always interested in being the fourth place team, uh, which is the midfield, considered the best of the rest. So we're going to be um, also guessing who will win fourth place. So my guess uh, between Mercedes and their field is Mercedes. They have the best driver in the world, um, best car too, so they probably won't lose. My midfield winner, the best of the rest at fourth place, is McLaren. I will be specifically following that team when I do some short stories. And the driver, Carlos Sainz, um, who just seems like a really cool guy, really genuine. He actually likes his teammate, which, um, or seems to at least, which isn't very common in Formula One. There's a lot of teammate beefs, which is kind of funny. Um, So I'm going McLaren. (laughs) Getting into my prediction then. Uh, Picking Mercedes or the field, I'm going to pick Mercedes. Um, they looked great in trials. They had the most laps, 903. Great number. And then in fourth place, I'm going to pick Renault. They finished third in time trials, a good early sign. Um, they broke in not even to the top four, but into the top three. And according to Formula1.com, they have a, quote, sparkling driver lineup of Daniel Ricciardo and Esteban Ocon. So I'm going with Renault for my best of the rest fourth place team. I'm actually going to be contrarian here. Uh, I'm going to take the field over Mercedes for first place. Uh, personally, I like. I have a good feeling about Red Bull this year. I know they've been third consistently recently, but uh, I, I just something tells me that Red Bull might win it this year. Would I be surprised if Mercedes ended up winning it? Of course not. But everybody loves a feel-good story, so that's my vote. As far as fourth place goes, I'm with Lucas on this one. I I want Renault um, for the same reason that he mentioned that they they broke into the top three. Um, I think they're hot right now. Yeah, I'm going I'm to go with Bart in terms of the contrarian. I, I think Mercedes is going down this year. 
Um, I think Ferrari is actually going to take this one. They struggled at the beginning of last year. We all saw them struggle and were, you know, were surprised <laughs> and disappointed by it. Uh, but they showed progress as the season moved on. And I think they're going to be especially driven, uh, pun intended, by uh, Charles Leclerc, <laughs> who's been bouncing around the ranks ever since 2014. He's been rising uh, through formulas, through the formula tiers. Uh, including yeah. he had a stunning rookie season in 2017, but he's never been on the same team for two years in a row. He finally gets the chance mm-hmm. to establish himself his second year in Ferrari. I think it's going to be a big one. And uh, in terms of my fourth place team, I'm going with uh, Racing Point. Uh, they mm-hmm. built a Mercedes clone to try and you know <laughs> keep up. So if, if you can't beat them, join them. And for that reason, I think their pink Mercedes clone is gonna is gonna take fourth. There you go. Can't beat them, clone them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad Aiden went before me to kind of back up my points because I did very minimal research when I did this. I picked Mercedes because of how much of a favorite they are. Like they're an outstanding favorite above everybody else. It's like picking the golden, picking against the Golden State Warriors a couple years ago when they had Kevin Durant. I think I just have to pick Mercedes. And uh, I'm glad you brought up those points about Racing Point because I also picked Racing Point, but I picked them for a different reason. Is because racing is the name of the game and Racing Point is their name. <laughs> Therefore, it does translate to wins. What? So I'm going Racing Point in fourth place. <laughs> they actually have won every single year they've been in existence. It was tough between them and Red Bull Racing. I had a really hard time deciding who was better at racing between the two, just off their name. So that does it for today's episode. Uh, let us know on Twitter at you thought media, what you thought about some of our takes, please let us know what you want us to talk about in these next coming weeks. We'd love to do some sort of reading questions or feedback from you guys. We do have a listener of the week this week. I call him dad, but everybody else knows him as David, my dad, David, shout out, shout out to you, David, uh, something coming in the mail for you here soon. And, uh, Thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. And leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.